I've asked a couple of our uh, teenagers to join me this morning, just to ask them a few questions. And um, th this is just a sampling of the great youth that we have here at uh, Sherwood Oaks. But there's a reason I've asked them to come up here and the reason for the questions I'm going to ask them. Um, this is Brianna Abram. Uh, this is Griffin Shermer. Uh, both of them uh, are active in the church here. Their families are active here, and so I've watched them grow up. Um, they're both athletes. Uh, Brianna is a cross-country and track uh, runner. Uh, Griffin is a wrestler, and uh, so they know a lot of uh, discipline and have a you know, not a whole lot of extra time going on in their life. So I'm really grateful. They've been here since before 8 o'clock, and they've gone through, the, I think they've sat through three sermons, the poor things. You, you, you pray for them. That is, that's nothing short of torture, uh, you know. And uh, so I'm, 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 I'm really grateful for you guys coming. Thank you. You've done a great job this morning. So here's, here's the question, and you know what this question is going to be uh, at this point in time. Uh, and, and simply, who, you know, you've worked a little bit outside of the home at this point in your life. Uh, Brianna, you're 15. Oh, by the way, um, Griffin just turned 16 this week, so he's transitioned to that magical age for, for us, uh, you know, in that teenage year. Uh, and so I want to hear about what kind of experience you've had working where you weren't paid by mom and dad or you weren't paid by grandparents or something like that. I've done some babysitting the past couple of years. Um, I've mowed lawns and trim bushes, and I've recently worked for you. Yes, you did. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And you did a very fine job, too. He's, he's, a, he's a good hard worker helping with bark, mulch, and all that kind of good stuff uh, around. Uh, did, you, did you enjoy, do you like doing babysitting, Brianna? I really like it, yeah, because kids, and they're great, so. You like kids? Enjoy yeah. working with them? Yeah. Okay. What's been your favorite kind of part-time job that you've done, if you have a favorite kind of part-time job? Well, working isn't exactly fun, but, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I just enjoy it because it builds character and it sort of defines you as a person. That's very true. That's very true. Good. Good. Uh, if you look ahead to the future, you know, and we all have careers at some point in time in our life or something that we do to earn a living. Have you thought about what you might like to do for a career? Um, I haven't really put that much thought into it, but I'm kind of thinking something athletic related, but I still have time to okay. think. Okay. All right. Um, I've sort of thought about some kind of engineering or accounting, but... I don't know what I want to do, really. And how about when you do have free time? What kind of hobbies do you enjoy? Um, I like running, biking, watching basketball games, and hanging out with my friends a lot. And your favorite team is? IU. IU. Go IU here at 1 o'clock. Okay, all right. Um, I don't really have very much free time, so pretty much what I do is I do a lot of sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, as you look to the future, tell us what your greatest hope is and your greatest fear. Um, my hopes are just to like get good grades the rest of high school and be able to get into a good college and stay on course with life, pretty much. And I don't really have any fears because I know that everything happens for a reason if something bad does happen and God's got it all under control. Um, I just hope that I can stay on the right path toward God and that... Um, whatever I end up doing in my future, that I can love it and have a passion for it. And my greatest fear is just growing up in general. <laughs> a fear that I think all of us can relate to at some point in time in our life. Griffin and Brianna, thank you so much today for just being a part of our time and for answering a few questions for me. I really appreciate it. Thanks a million.
Now, there's a reason I asked them to come up here at 15 and just barely into 16. What you're looking at here on the platform is Daniel. I, I wanted you to have that perspective. You know, when we talk about Daniel being hauled off as a teenager, okay, okay, okay. I, I wanted you to see somebody that was Daniel's age when Babylonians came in, captured this nobility of the palace, hauled them off halfway around the world. They would never come home again. They would never see family again. They would be impressed into the service of a, a terrorist pagan king. Can, can you imagine that happening to Brianna? Can you imagine that happening to Griffin or any other of our teenagers who are gathered here in this room? This room? I, I think of parents and grandparents having somebody like that just jerked out of their life, never knowing what actually happened to them and how they were getting along or, or ever see them again. It, it, it helps me to put into perspective this whole story of Daniel and what an incredible young man this was as he stepped out of what would have been a rather pampered lifestyle into that of being a captive in a pagan nation. Last week we saw how Daniel and his uh, dear friends uh, diplomatically and graciously refused to do what the king asked them to do because God had said, don't eat these foods. Now, what I, what I love about Daniel is the fact that where he could bend over backwards, he did. And he compromised where he could without compromising his convictions or his faith. But when he got to the point where God, when he was asked to do something that God had said you cannot do, Daniel and his friends stood, stood firm. And you, and you may be thinking, well, of course they did. They didn't make mistakes. They're Bible characters. What do you expect? The people in the Bible were that way. They weren't really like we are today. Have you been reading much about Bible characters, if that's the way you feel? Adam and Eve compromised God's command for a lousy piece of fruit, and paradise was lost. Noah compromised his sobriety for a drunken evening after the first grape harvest following the flood. Abraham compromised the truth and lied about his wife Sarah and very nearly lost her to a pagan king. Esau compromised his God-given lifelong firstborn son privileged role for a bowl of soup. Aaron compromised his conviction about God's supremacy for a chance to win the best golden calf award of the year. Samson compromised his divine God-given strength for a beautiful woman and a subsequent burr haircut. <laughs> David compromised his morality, his royal integrity, and the sanctity of his family for a one-night stand with his neighbor's wife. She got pregnant. David had his neighbor killed at the front lines of the battle, and the baby died after he was born. Solomon compromised his God-given wisdom and allowed his foreign wives to worship pagan kings or pagan gods and goddesses right there in Jerusalem, and it very nearly cost him his faith. Peter compromised his promise never to deny the Lord Jesus when he denied him three times. And I just got to believe that the sound of a rooster's crow made the hair stand up on the back of his neck forever thereafter. Judas compromised his God-given role as a disciple of Jesus Christ for a bag of 30 silver coins that he never even got to spend. Don't tell me the Bible isn't filled with people who failed. That's one of the things I appreciate about God's Word is it includes the failure stories as well as the victory stories. And while I don't have the study to bear this up, I'm convinced there are more failure stories than there are personal victory stories recorded in God's Word. 
And I take courage from the fact that when I fail, and I so often fail in my life, that I can look back to those who also failed and know that God still loves me and can use me, not because of me, but in spite of me, because He did so in every case of those I just mentioned. Now, all that said, you and I need to do our level best to maintain our faithfulness to God. We need to do our best to follow His pattern. Lose whatever you must, folks, but don't lose your moral or your spiritual integrity. And because they were faithful to God and refused to capitulate on their spiritual convictions, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah were equipped by God for the work that they would do in their pagan palace for the rest of their lives. I want, you, I want you to catch this, all right? This is important. I believe Daniel came to the conclusion that it is better to be in the will of God as a captive in Babylon than to be out of the will of God, though free and living in Jerusalem. Now, I'm not suggesting that he was living out of the will of God, but had he stayed, it may not have been what God's plan was for him. And, and Daniel, I think, said, okay, if I'm in the will of God, even though I'm living in Babylon, it's better to be someplace I don't want to be, but be in the will of God than to be someplace I'd like to be and not be serving God with what He wants me to do. Boy, that's a powerful lesson that each one of us needs to learn. Being where God wants you to be is the best and safest place you can be, regardless of the circumstances. When your first desire, then, is to please God, your pleasing desire will not go unnoticed in the courts of heaven. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Wow, what a beautiful promise. Do you strive to please God? Is that one of the goals of your daily life, to, to be pleasing to God? Do you care that his word and his will are at work in you? You see, when we strive to honor the Lord first, then I believe He equips us not only to serve Him faithfully, but to handle whatever life brings to our way. Wasn't that what Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount? When Jesus said, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. In other words, you put God's kingdom first and you do what is right. That's what righteousness is, doing the right thing. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these other things, the things that we worry about, will be taken care of and, and, and provided. God's already taken care of our past. He is quite capable of handling our present and our future. Now, look at what, look at what uh, God did for Daniel. Now, you can read along in your, in your Bible. You can read along on your um, um, electronic device. You can read along on the screen, whatever you want to do. Daniel chapter 1, verses 17 and following. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and so they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter regarding or requiring wisdom and a balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Now, that very last statement is like a, like a parenthetical clause there as Daniel reflects back over, the, over his life. What we're reading about here is where he enters the king's service 
But when Cyrus comes to the throne, it's approximately 70 years later. And so he's basically saying, and here I stayed doing what God wanted me to do for the next seven decades of my life. Well, what do we learn out of this? The first thing is the importance of identifying the gifts that you have. I am so encouraged by the fact that God knows what we need and when we are going to need it. And though he equips each one of us differently for the work he does uh, in our lives and what he wants us to do in his will, he knows how we can best contribute. So what are your gifts? What are your talents and abilities? When's the last time you sat down and just took a personal inventory of your life, who you are, your, your passions, your desires, your longings, your interests, those things that you don't like, and, and, and you looked at it and said, okay, this, God has made me capable of doing this, this, and this. I can't do these things over here, but I can do this, and I can do this. When's the last time you did that? How, how can you be used by God? How can you d- develop gifts if you don't know what you've got? Okay, and if you haven't done that for a while, just, just take a moment right now, grab a pen in the pew in front of you there, great, take something out of your pocket or, or your purse, uh, just take the right, you know, the side of uh, the border of your bulletin, and just take a minute now and start writing down some of the things that you can do well and that you really like to do and that you're passionate about doing. Will you do that? Just, just right now, right? I'm, I'm giving you permission to write and not pay attention to what's going on on the platform right now. Seize the moment, all right? It won't last long. Don't make it hard. This is just for your eyes only. This is not a brag list. You're not going to show this to anybody else. You're just trying to be honest with who you are as God created you and gifted you. Some of you are not writing. Now, I can only assume one of two things. You don't have a bulletin and a pen or anything else to write with, but please don't be sitting there not writing because you think, I have nothing to write down because that's not true. God leaves none of us giftless. He gives us talents and abilities in our lives to be used by Him. And, and by the way, when you get home today, if you haven't done it for a while, would you just pause and give God a word of thanks for the talents and the abilities He has given to you? After all, he's the source of those blessings, and so we ought to thank him. If if we're going to say, thanks, God, for giving the story of Daniel in in Scripture, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our lives. Um, First thing that you need to realize, you can keep on writing if you want to, okay? Uh, And and, and you can listen now, um, or not. Uh, First of all… We need to remember that all of our gifts and abilities come from God. Look at the first two words in the text again. Did you notice them? The first two words simply say, God gave. God initiated all of this. God understood what was needed. God knew who would use each gift most effectively. When it comes to our talents and abilities, there is no room for conceit because they aren't our gifts and abilities. They are God's gifts and abilities that He's given to us. According to legend, a king was saved in an intense battle by a common foot soldier. And once the battle was over, the king invited him into his quarters and he presented him with this beautiful jeweled cup that was just covered with precious stones, and the, and the soldier took it in his hand, and he, and he marveled at, at this beautiful goblet, and, and he said to the king, he said, my king, this is a gift too great for me to receive. 
To which the king responded, he said, ah, my friend, he said, it may be a gift too great for you to receive, but it is not too great a gift for me to give. You see, kings give king-size gifts, gifts that are fitting of a king. For a king to give something that is insignificant is no gift at all. That's not befitting. That makes, that's a poor reflection on the king. Our king, the God of heaven, has given us gifts that will help us get through life and serve Him. You may sometimes look at your life and, and, and how things have gone for you in your life, what you have and what you don't have, and, and all the experience of your life, and you may say, Lord, you've been good to, too good to me. These gifts are more than I can receive, to which God would say, they may be gifts that you think are too great to receive, but they are not gifts too great for me to give, because God gives God-worthy gifts. I want you to notice something else in this text, and that is that Daniel got more gifts than everybody else. His buddies didn't get the ability to interpret dreams. They all got the ability to study hard. They all got the ability to have great wisdom, but then Daniel got a, a third gift, and he got the ability to interpret dreams. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah didn't get that. Now, when others who are your peers get something that you don't, how does it make you feel? Do you feel left out, overlooked, mistreated, maybe even a bit bitter? We live in a culture when so many want an even playing field for everyone, but God has never worked that way. You know, no, no two people are exactly alike. No two people have the same gifts and talents. It isn't an even playing field. There have been times when God has given people an abundance of gifts, and some that are just one or two gifts. That's the way God works, because He knows what is needed for the ultimate plan. Not only are our gifts different from each other, but the amount of gifts that we have are different as well. And there is no room in the kingdom of God for the spirit of resentment, because I'll tell you, resentment is costly. When you resent somebody else, when you're bitter at somebody else, the only person that suffers in that is you. You're the one that bears the consequence. Do you remember Miriam, uh, the sister of Moses, she and and Aaron, brother and sister to Moses, were also very instrumental in helping lead the people out of Israel. I mean, Moses was the leader, but they came alongside him. When they came across the, the Red Sea, Miriam writes this beautiful song, and, and there's this celebration and everything else. Well, somewhere in this desert sojourn, so many years down the road, we come across this story, and this is basically what happens. Miriam, for whatever the reason, I don't even know for sure exactly what triggered it, but Miriam's had it up to here with Moses, and it's basically something like this. Moses, Moses, Moses. All I ever hear about is Moses. What am I, chopped liver or something like that? Why is everybody so enamored with Moses? Now, that's a loose translation of what we read in the story in the Old Testament, but that's really the heartbeat behind it. She was just frustrated beyond words with, with everybody, you know, with Moses this, Moses that. And boom, the minute she said it, God struck her with leprosy. Now, that was a death sentence. If you got leprosy, you were going to die. There was no cure for leprosy. What's more, you had to be isolated outside the camp, remember? When you had leprosy, you couldn't be around other people, and so immediately Miriam has moved outside the camp. This one who had been so close to the inner circle is now not even in the outer fringe. And Moses, bless his heart, prayed and interceded to God on her behalf and asked God to forgive her and heal her, and God said, I will. But not until she has lived out there for seven days with leprosy. And after the seven days were over, God healed her, and she was restored inside the family. And I, and I will tell you, we don't read about her whining or being resentful or bitter ever again. 
she learned an important lesson. God gifted Moses differently than he gifted Miriam and Aaron, but that was okay. God was using them in different ways, and God will do the same for us. It's His call, you know. It's His gift, and and we need to leave it in His court to do that. And perhaps it's not resentfulness or bitterness that's your problem. Maybe it's the feeling of inadequacy at times. Do you ever feel inadequate? Boy, I do. I have felt inadequate as a father. Sometimes I feel inadequate as a grandfather. I certainly feel inadequate sometimes as a husband, as a friend. I really feel inadequate sometimes as a, as a minister, uh, a preacher, doing the pastoral shepherding kinds of duties. Uh, there are always days in our lives when we look at something and, and we feel inadequate to the task. Every one of us in this room has felt that way. But I will be forever grateful that eternal life has been granted to us not because we are adequate but because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is more than adequate for the need. God, see, does not call adequate people. He makes the people He calls adequate for the task. God doesn't ask much of us. By the way, when God calls you into some service or God's getting ready to use you in some way or something in His kingdom, He doesn't ask for a resume of your talents and abilities. He he already knows what your talents or abilities are. Remember, He gave them to you, so He doesn't need a resume of that. All He needs is a willing heart and a faithful spirit. You can't do everything, but you can be faithful to some things. I like what one preacher wrote. He said, I cannot fill the sanctuary with people, but I can fill the service with purpose. I cannot convince people that they are sinners, but I can confess that I'm a sinner. I cannot persuade the whole world, but I can proclaim the whole word. You can't do it all, but you can be faithful to do what you do and do it well. You just do your best, and God will make it adequate. And in this, Not only is it important to identify your gifts, it is important to develop your gifts. God wants us to hone and sharpen our talents and abilities. Do any of you still have unopened Christmas gifts under a very dry tree at home at this point? I didn't didn't think you probably did. And, And who in their right mind would have a gift under the tree with your name on it, and every time you walk past the tree, you say, oh, I'll I'll open that later. I'm here to tell you, if it's got my name on it, folks, it it doesn't get past noon on Christmas morning. It is opened. And yet some of you here this morning have unopened spiritual gifts that you haven't made time to develop or or work on. One year we did forget um, where there were some gifts for the girls. I had tucked them away in one of those secret hiding places that parents look for as your kids get older so the kids won't find them. <laughs> and I hid them so good that we couldn't find them. And um, <laughs> we didn't stumble onto them until July. So the girls had a Christmas present in July of that year. Well, it may take some searching at different stages in our lives, but God's gifts are worth the hunt. So look hard and, and check out all the places in your life because God wants you to develop those skills and abilities In the same way that you cannot sit down at a piano and play a concerto by Mozart without hours of practice and skill development, so neither can you be effective at your service to God without developing those skills. There are four NFL teams that will be playing this afternoon and this evening, each one of which hopes to be participating and playing in the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. I guarantee you, the guys on those four teams are still developing their abilities. They're practicing. They're giving their all. They're putting in 100%. They don't think they've arrived and, aren't, you know, and don't need the practice. They're always honing their skills. 
Why work so hard on the gifts that God has given us? It's because you never know when God's going to use you for something. Our talents and abilities, you know, God is sort of like a carpenter, and we're all the different tools. Now, not every project or job requires the same tools, but when you've got a job and it requires a special tool, you want that tool to be ready and sharpened. So, when God needs you, make sure you're honed and sharpened for the job He's called you to do. All you have to do is look at one of the, the cells in our body. I mean, the complexity of the human cell, it, it almost defies understanding. Uh, biochemist Michael Behe writes, he said, a typical cell contains thousands and thousands of different types of proteins to perform the many tasks necessary for life, much like a carpenter's workshop might contain different kinds of tools for various carpentry tasks. Every cell is that way. That alone ought to tell us how important it is for us to be ready to share our gift at any point in time. Some proteins are simple while others are enormously complex. God doesn't give all the same gifts. He's teaching that even in our body. The DNA also contains the genetic code for making these proteins. Dr. Richard Swenson writes that the work of DNA is like a computer, a copy machine, and Encyclopedia Britannica all combined. He says, if the DNA sequence of your life were recorded on paper, in 1,000-page volumes, it would take 200 volumes at 1,000 pages each to record just your DNA sequence. Wow. And here's the amazing part. We really understand the protein coding part of our DNA, and, and that's only about 10% of it. Physical DNA is who you are, but, but I'm convinced, too, that tucked onto that DNA, that genetic code designed by God, are the, are the talents and the abilities the likes, the passions of your life that God built into you so that He could use you in His kingdom and you would be equipped to make it through this life. Daniel took advantage of all those ways, so did his friends. And the Bible says that they were ten times smarter and wiser than anybody else, that they had sound judgment, balanced judgment anytime the king came and asked for wisdom. And you say, okay, how do I develop my gifts? Really quickly. Here we go. Let me give you some, some ideas on how you develop gifts. And, and developing the right attitude helps you develop your gifts. All right, you want, you want to keep yourself grounded, all right? Uh, this week, Claudia passed along a quote from Richard Rohr. He states that there are five things you need to know grow, to grow spiritually, all right? Here they are. Number one, life is hard. You are not that important. Your life is not about you. You're not in control. You're going to die. Okay? Now, I realize that, that those are not going to make the top 10 favorite verses of a Hallmark card, okay? But they will keep you grounded. When you start getting a little bit conceited, when you start thinking that, hey, hey, I'm doing a really good job at that. You just remember your life is hard. You're not that important. Your life is not about you. You're not in control. I'm going to die. Uh, and it will ground you real quickly, and, you, and you'll remember that the gifts are not about me. The gifts are what God has given me for His glory, Okay? Here's another thing. Helping others helps you develop your gifts. If you want to hone and sharpen your talents and abilities, then reach out and, and, and help other people. Let me give you three things you can try this week. They don't take extra education, training, equipping, uh, anything, but you can do these. All right, everybody in here can do this. Number one, listen. Be quiet and listen to others. Look at their faces. Their eyes will tell you a lot. Pay attention to their stories, their hurts, their dreams. A lot of people have no one who will listen to them. 
And they long for someone just to do that very thing. Just listen. Now, it doesn't take a college degree to do that. It just takes a willing ear. This week, listen to somebody, all right? Genuinely listen. Here's another thing. Eat. We all do that anyway. Ask someone to go with you to lunch. Someone that's not your best friend. Anybody can go to lunch with your best friend. You'll find somebody that, I'm not talking about a total stranger standing on the street. I'm talking about somebody that you're acquainted with, but you don't know that well yet. You may be working in the same building. Uh, you may go to school with them, but you, you haven't had the opportunity to really get acquainted with them. Ask them to go to lunch, and if you can afford to, pay for their meal, and you might be amazed at what encouragement that will bring to them. And if they're encouraged through that, you too will be encouraged, and it will help hone and sharpen the gifts and the talents that God has given you. Here's the third thing, learn. Make an effort this week to learn something new about a coworker, a neighbor, a fellow student, a boss, somebody that you know but you don't know a lot about. Well, try to learn something new about them, all right? Find out what they like to do as a hobby. Uh, when I find someone who, um, who enjoys old cars or aviation or woodworking, or when I'm talking to somebody, all of a sudden I find out they like reading the same kind of books for fun that I like reading, there's, a, there's an immediate bond. And you think, wow, we've got this in common. You know, I'd like to hang around with this person a little bit more. If you ever try to learn what makes people tick, you're never gonna know that you might have one of the best friends of your life there that you've never explored that possibility. So this week, try to help somebody else, and in turn, it will help you develop your gifts. And you can remember it easily this way. Listen, lunch, learn. Okay? Just remember that. You may not get them all done, but you can start this week. And then making God's Word a priority will help you develop your gifts. Doesn't it make sense that if the gifts are given by God that we ought to consult the instruction manual on how to develop them? Why do you think God gave us His Word? so that it would help us grow and develop and become who He wants us to be. There is such wisdom in Scripture. So I'm going to ask you to do something, all right? All of us, as, as, as a whole congregation, starting today, will you read one chapter of Proverbs every day for the next 31 days? For the next month, from the 20th of January through the middle part of February, we're going to read 31 chapters, what chapter each day, and, and Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Scripture. Now, I'm not suggesting that we get done with this month, you'll be 10 times smarter like Daniel and his friends. I am suggesting, though, that you'll be smarter and wiser if you take the time to read. We're gonna have it on the uh, website, and so if you, um, you, know, if you get lost or, or, or mixed up or, or you forget what day it is or you need to get caught up, just go on to the website and find out where that, where we are and take the time to read from Proverbs. And in that way, we're going to sharpen our skills because we're drawing on the wisdom of God, just like Daniel and company.